<laughs> here we go it's back you can't even hear me during this bit anyway most of you bloody saps a lot of you get your todgers out wriggle them about didn't hear that did you uh, right i'll do the proper bit now welcome to strange and deadly show this is a podcast dedicated to the section three list suckers <laughs> a selection of films related to britain's video nasty mm, we pair up i didn't even say nasties properly britain's video nasties we pair up these films based on a theme and then discuss and review them for your and hopefully our entertainment you can subscribe to the show on itunes spotify stitcher or via any good podcatcher indeed and you can find more information about us that's me and tom and the other shows we have available including lost in the omniverse the incredibly regular uh, comic book related podcast that we do over on our network at strange and deadly.com what a shower of shit of an intro that was but uh hey you probably didn't hear all the juicy stuff i said in there now listen shut shut up shut the fuck up because this is the sexy episode this is the sexy one i'm so excited i'm excited i am so horny at the moment i just was telling tom before we started recording i just cannot wait to be in you be in your ears that is don't get filthy about it i'm not looking for for any kind of lawsuit i'm not looking for the police to come in i've had enough of the damn police all right coming around my property trying to get me to admit to things i haven't done all right so enough of that uh, oh the erotic show i think we had an earlier erotic show but this one's going to be even more erotic i'm going to be uh, yes yes i'm going to be asking tom all the personal questions that you want to know the answers to i know you've been waiting and i know tom's been waiting as well to give them and he's going to give it to you damn good right in your ears that's what we're looking for now it's been a while since we did an episode the reason for that is because my good friend tom elliott when he's not podcasting with other men which I've had to accept. I've had to understand it. He goes and meets them, goes in their sex dungeon. I don't know what they get up to. I, I'll find out. I will find out. There will be an investigation. I'm going to get to the bottom of this, just like he got to the bottom of them. Hey, eh? bush, 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 just coming in, punching with the. You can't, you can't get me. I'm too fast. You can't get me with the wit. Uh, but yeah, this I, I realise this is a sad implosion of a man that you're listening to here now. I apologise for it. I haven't got... It's not like the other people that Tom does podcasts with. They've got a support system. I've got nothing. This is it. And once this goes away, what am I going to do? Hey, we're only like, what, three or four episodes away from finishing this list. What am I going to do? I've got nothing I can do. This is going to be it for me. Uh, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Don't you worry about it. Uh, sorry, I went on a tangent there. What I meant to say was, of course, Tom went... To New York City, the big, the big apple. He went to New York City and he had a, a pizza pie and he met with the the uh, Rod Serling Foundation. I think it is. It's something like that. It's uh, the Twilight Zone stuff, isn't it? That's what it was going to be. He only likes three things. Tw uh, the Twilight Zone, Planet of the Apes and Godzilla. That's all he likes. That's what we've got pared it down to. Uh, he went there. I'm going to ask him about that in just a moment. I'm Chris Clayton. Of course, you know me. Um, the one who isn't famous in the duo. I'm not bitter about it. It's just reality. You know, I have to accept that. Um, if you want to go for the handsome guy, go for the handsome guy. If you want, if you want to ignore the troglodyte, be my guest. That's fine. Uh, I'm Chris Clayton, and of course. Who am I joined by? My it's my sexy co-op partner. Who is it? 
It's Tom Elliott. Why have I got a bad feeling about this? You don't know? have a bad feeling about <laughs> it. It's going to be fine, oh, buddy. I don't know whether it is. I don't know whether it is. I missed you when you were in New York. How the, how the devil did you get on? It was great. I'm not going to go too much into it here, but uh, it was a great time. It was, it was a great time. And I just want to mention that while I was over there, a good friend of the show, he's a listener to the Twilight Zone podcast, he likes to slum it occasionally with this podcast. He uh, he bought us a nice bottle of wine to share while we, we drink this. His name is Tony and uh, a lovely guy. And he bought us a nice bottle of Americana Vineyards, November Harvest, good month November, I believe. So uh, he bought us a bottle of wine to share whether we do this. Tony giving Chris booze while he's doing a podcast is never a good idea. But we thank you anyway, so thank you very much. Well, I have had a little bit of it, and that might explain everything that's happened up to this point. Made by near the Finger Lake, Tom. So it's very topical, isn't it? Mm. And I'll tell you what, Tom, it's a lovely vintage. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And no, thank you very much, Um, Tony, was it? Tony, yeah. Tony, thank you very much. Uh, I do appreciate you. I can't imagine there are that many of the i don't know mate perhaps you do know but i can't imagine there are that many people that kind of cross over from the twilight zone podcast to this i think there's a few i think there's a few tom they have to got to sit through me to get to the good parts and it, hey if that's your life then that's what you have to do you know um if you have to slum it in order to get more tom time that's okay <laughs> with me look i'm getting tom time here this is direct this is personal and tom this is the uh, erotic episode mark two i think yeah, I don't think I really realised that at the time when I put these movies together, or maybe I did, it was about 12 years ago now, so who knows, maybe I did mention it, but, uh, you know, I can't recall whether our last erotic episode is actually that erotic, we'll see whether <laughs> this one is any better, um, but who knows, we got we got two sexy films for two sexy guys, so we'll see what happens. And my goodness, are they ever sexy, Tom. Now, of course, it wouldn't be an erotic episode without me asking you at least a few questions related to, you know, it, 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 it's around the sex life, around the sex organs quite often. <sighs> I like to go there. Don't be sad. It's all right. I'm. When have I ever, you know, taken you down the wrong path? Every episode, usually. Yeah. Well, look, Tom... First of all, I, I want to hear about, like, what's your cum noise? Because mine is, is like, it goes a bit like this. Thank you. What's yours? Much the same. Much the same. Is it similar? I can imagine it. Because you are, if you don't mind me saying, you're a swarthy man. You're quite, you know, you're a muscly guy. You work out. You keep yourself fit. So I'd imagine there's a big... Like a bit of real gusto goes in. Yeah. Have you seen that scene in American Psycho? (laughs) Sort of like that. That's Oh, I like that. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. So everybody imagine that. Um, Now, my second and final question, Tom, before we talk about these two movies is, now I don't want you to get upset with me about this, but it's Mm. it's a question that I think everyone would want the answer to. Now, let's imagine that you've had like a sexually frustrating week and you feel a bit like hot you feel a bit heated up you feel a bit horny and you're at your desk and you decide look i'm just gonna whip the old boy out i'm gonna have a bit of a fiddle i'm going to masturbate right to 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 put it in a way that's more sort of mature i suppose 
And so you're masturbating, you've reached climb, you've reached a climax and you've grabbed it like a Kleenex tissue. Other brands are available, but Kleenex I find has good absorption. I I'm not it's not a fact, it's just an experience. You so you grab the tissue and you get most of it, right? That's come out. But a little bit has drops onto the front cover of your Twilight Zone compendium. <laughs> now, what do you do? Do you do you now? I would assume that it's probably because I've seen some of your Twilight Zone books. It's probably got a wipe, an easy wipe cover on it, so you can get rid of it. No one's going to know any of the wiser. But do you then feel ashamed to keep the book, or can you clean it and keep it, put it back on the bookshelf, and it's fine? Or would you have to throw it away? I would keep it. You know, yeah. I think. It's what Rod Sailing would have wanted. So yeah. I would keep it. If they made like a, this is the, I promise you, this is the last thing I'll ask you. We will talk about these movies. I know it's important. Your time is precious as well. So I don't want to keep you talking about inane crap. I wouldn't do that. If they made a replica of Rod Serling's hand. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop right there. Okay. Stop okay. right there. Okay. Too far. Too far, right. Chris. Okay. Back in your box. I was just going to ask if you would keep it on your shelf. I was going to ask. <laughs> Why, why are you taking it so dark? Well, Tom, look, it's the erotic episode. We've learned a lot about you. We don't need to know anything about me, all right? We don't need to know anything. <laughs> I, think I think we've, had, we know we've learned a lot about you. <laughs> we know enough. Uh, Tom, why don't you tell us about the two films that we're going to be discussing today? Okay, we have a film called The Black Room from 1983, which is a sort of sexy thriller type thing. And then film number two is actually from... Uh, just over 10 years before from 1971 and it's called the toy box and there's various reasons for that that we will get into now that is an interesting film and uh, and we will get into these two sexy little numbers for your entertainment tonight certainly i, I can tell you right now Tom. i don't know if you've looked at it but you're not going to like reading that synopsis that i wrote for it <laughs> i can tell you that much but yeah so well look shall i tell you about the black room then tom I would love to hear about it. The Black Room, I'd love to take you in there, Tom, and just all look at you. But uh, we, you. we haven't got time for that. So this is The Black Room, released in 1983. As I think you said there, Tom, I wasn't, wasn't listening. I was too busy thinking up what dirty nonsense I was going to say next. Uh, this is also known as Kammerdeer Schrecken. Oh. And it was directed by Ellie Kenner and Norman Thaddeus Vane. What a Viking-esque name, Tom, a Nordic name. It's a bit of a naughty name, is it? It is, isn't it? Your Thaddeus Vane. Get your Thaddeus Vane out and fucking get it up me. <laughs> Starring Jimmy Stathis, Tom, the brother of Jason Statham. No? Good, uh, okay. It sounded better in my head than when I read it. Uh, Stephen Knight, Cassandra Garva, Clara Perryman, and featuring a short cameo appearance from Linnea Quigley, who you've interviewed. I have, yes. Lovely lady. Yeah, lovely lady. Uh, okay, so the synopsis. Larry and Robin are having a difficult time making love. Every time they're about to get to their pesky deeds, the kids perk up, forcing Robin to go and check on them. To spice up their love life, Larry has been fantasising about a special black room, which he tells Robin about in order to turn her on. He can imagine every filthy and depraved deed taking place in that room. Unfortunately for him, an advert in the newspaper catches his eye. A few hundred bucks will secure him his own real-life black room in a remote motel, which he can use to bring back women he'll pick up off the streets. The owners of the motel are Jason and Bridget, a very strange brother and sister duo. 
Jason sets the black room up with lit candles and wine, which Larry soon takes advantage of as he brings ladies back for sex. Now, unbeknownst to Larry, Jason has been taking pictures of Larry's various deeds with women. Larry soon meets Bridget, who explains that Jason has a very rare blood disorder. It requires a fresh donation of blood, which is now up to twice weekly. Larry seems unfazed by this, and he and Bridget soon make love, fulfilling a desire within Bridget to have a less lonely life. Larry seems to be getting away with his little bit of fun on the side until Robin, his wife, finds the newspaper advert and a set of keys. She goes to the motel and meets with Jason, and she is shocked to see her husband making love with a younger girl there. Jealousy turns to revenge as she soon makes love to Jason, feeling that she now has some power over her husband. The news does not go over well with Larry. What both of them do not realise, however, is that Jason and Bridget have a dark secret. They are using the couple in order to claim the bodies of young people, draining their blood to keep Jason alive. Desire and sexual revenge meet a very horrific situation, and perhaps the married couple will have to work together as Jason closes in. Wow. This place is really something else. So many candles. It's like something out of a dream. Mm, mm, mm. The stereo has a good selection, mostly classical. I just love Vivaldi, don't you? Mm. What the former tenants usually did was phone first. Uh, I'm always working in my studio. If you like, I can just pop in, light the candles, pour the wine. The rest is up to you. Wine, candles, music. That's really nice of you. So you really like it, huh? <laughs> I love it. All right, so there you go. So, Tom, uh, neither of these films, by the way, have we seen prior to this. What did you think of The Black Room? You know what? I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it, but I just don't think it fulfills the ambition that it kind of had. Mm. And it, it seems to be making out that it's this sexy thriller and he's going down this sexy rabbit hole and, um, you know, getting into all this kind of crazy stuff, living out his fantasies, <laughs> but his fantasies aren't that crazy. I mean, the craziest thing that he does is um, the woman at the black room paints herself up and starts riding around, riding around <laughs> on his back for a little bit. So, you know, mate, that's like a Tuesday night to me. So oh. it's it's not it's not that it's not that kind of out there in what it's doing. I mean, there's some interesting stuff in it. I don't know. I kind of like the setup that he's got this place that he goes to to live out his fantasies, and he he comes back and tells these stories to his wife, and she thinks it's just him uh, fantasizing these things to spice things up for them. But then there's this whole other thing where she finds out, so she starts to get a bit herself, but... The, the sex kind of is gone within the first 20 minutes, isn't it? And then yeah. after that, they talk about it, but you never really see much of anything. And not that I'm dying to see it, but, you know, it's supposed to be quite a sexy thriller and it just kind of isn't. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm a little undecided. Let's get into it, though. What, what do you think? Well, it's interesting because from some of the reviews that I saw online of this, some people class this as a slasher. Wow. Which is, I don't, I don't know that I'd see it that way. Certainly, and we'll get to it when we when we get to the end of it. It becomes, I think, more of a horror movie. But yeah. the the 
the setup of it is that this guy basically, all these sorts of movies really, the basic thing is that the guy is sexually frustrated, so he, you know, acts out on the side, cheats on his wife, but is pretending to his wife that this is actually an internal fantasy. So he's built up this, but we don't really hear him talking to her about the black room as such, not that much. So, but we're led to believe from her reactions and from the things she says that he's really fleshed out this whole thing of these different people in the black room, who they are. So he's got a very detailed kind of picture, a mental picture that he gives to his wife about this, these fantasies that he has. In reality, as you say, like they really make it seem like this guy is depraved and he doesn't really do very much. You know, he, <laughs> he, he the extent of it is basically bringing back women, like he brings back this, this young we're meant to believe, I guess, that she's a college student or a university student or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so he brings her back and, oh, I've got a young girl back to the black room. And then he brings in, I guess, like a, a prostitute and, um, you know, pre prepares her there to have his way with her. So, And that's really it. And then, as you say, cavorting with the um, the sister of the, of the weird duo, Bridget, and she... <laughs> paints her face and they, and she rides him for a bit but not in not in a sexy way Tom just in a kind of you know like he's sort of riding well it's a it's a matador and a bull isn't it yeah I guess someone someone must like that I mean the thing is I'm an, an open-minded sort of person in terms of the things that other people like that I may not necessarily understand so you have things like you have groups like the furries out there who like to dress up as animals and sometimes they they you know take that into an area that's perhaps more of a fetish or whatever it doesn't is not particularly sexy to me, but it's sexy to somebody, right? So I guess being rid like a bull is sexy to someone. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all part of this thing that I think is is probably the problem with the film that what it seems to think is out a bit outrageous and a bit out there and a bit sexy and a bit wild just isn't. And maybe it's the times I don't know, but. We, I mean, we've seen more bizarre stuff in that other erotic one we did. Remember that Snow White movie? Yeah. Where, like, I'm sure there was milk and goats and everything in it. I'm not too sure. I yeah, can't remember. Yeah, there was remember. like a, a cow milking scene in that. <laughs> yeah. So there was, you know, there is bizarre shit going on at times, um, at these times. And I'm sure there's much more. Well, we've seen much more depraved films on this list. Yeah. So this one seems kind of tame by comparison. Um, yeah. And then, and then we have this kind of background thing with uh jason's blood disease and he's actually plucking off various women uh, like the prostitute who comes back larry leaves her there tied up and he's like i'll be back in a bit you know you just stay there um and when he goes jason takes her away and and gets a blood transfusion off <laughs> it's just this <laughs> this weird sort of plot in the background isn't it yeah the it's almost like he's like an old vampire or something who needs blood because it's it's Bridget explains to Larry in this sort of scene I guess to to kind of fit fill in the backstory of Jason that it's a apparently an old blood disorder that only really affects Mediterranean types that's how she describes it and right. so yes you do get these scenes of you know because right the the actual opening scene of the movie is a couple of people like a couple they're having sex and then they're killed by somebody and, and right, then we yeah. realise that actually it's probably Jason who did that and then they're harvesting the blood from them. Um, at one point, they it, I think it is the prostitute character, actually, she get, she manages to get away and is then caught by Bridget and Jason and taken back and then, you know, is killed, fully drained of all her blood. It's just a weird thing, isn't it? You know, And I don't know that it's... 
that it fully works. I, I would rather, I think, if they'd taken the blood, you know, that him needing people's blood out of it and just had them both be a depraved couple, maniacal couple who just like to kill people for fun, I think that might have lent it a, a slightly darker edge than what we get here. You know, Bridget is a little bit sympathetic as well towards Larry, isn't she? And that, so you're meant to... You're meant to kind of believe that, well, no, don't kill Larry because I don't want to be lonely when you're dead later on because it seems like the blood transfusions are only going to work for a certain amount of time. Jason is still going to die anyway. Yeah. Um, although the end of this movie <laughs> might make you wonder what it takes to kill that guy. But, uh, yeah, it's um, it sits in the background and I don't think is fleshed out particularly well. The sex, I think... If you want to sell the real eroticism of it and the the supposed depravity of this man, then you need to have given us a little bit more of that. And I I do think it's an interesting angle to kind of, or an interesting concept anyway, to have this this concept of this room that you can take people to and then their bodies are harvested and used for for whatever. I just think that the way it's executed is is not particularly interesting. It's a little bland, I think. To be honest, I I don't even think I needed the killings. The the thing that I found most interesting about it was you know you could say we all have a bit of a dark place that we go to in our in our mm. mind or secrets that we keep to ourselves i'm sitting on it at the moment <laughs> and um and for him you know he makes it real mm. he hires this room in the in this house with this sexy couple a brother and sister who probably have a little fiddle themselves every yeah, now and again they, they're just those kind of people um and I thought that was quite interesting. He's going out there to to live out these fancies. And then when his wife gets onto it and she's like, well, okay, I'm going to have a bit of that as well. He gets all angry about it. So yeah. it's like, well, what's good for him isn't, you know, isn't good for her. So I thought that was quite an interesting situation. And that's what I actually found to be what I was drawn to most, all the blood stuff in the background and the killings. I didn't really care that much about them. I think that's because it's just not told very well. I do agree with you though. That is the more interesting concept of it rather than you could even take the horror elements out of it and maybe have just had a kind of taut thriller about this couple who are experiencing real issues with each other, trying Mm. to get over there, you know, if it'd been written well and it'd been fleshed out in that way, you were trying to get over this extreme jealousy, this difficulty they have in their marriage of trying to make love and they can't make love because they're parents and, you know, the kids are always kind of, you know, begging for attention, which is, um, you know, that's an element of, of being a parent, uh, trying to fit in your own personal time with the person that you love. And then having these two people being involved in this, with this room and what that suggests and what that can do. And then the whole thing kind of breaking down, the mentality of it breaking down. You know, someone like Darren Aronofsky could have told a story like that really well, you know. Yeah. But, um, you know, that was not to be. This movie was directed by by Norman Thaddeus Vane, Tom. And Norman Thaddeus <laughs> Vane did not, clearly did not have those ambitions in mind. I have to say, Tom, that for me, the most interesting section of the movie is when, we, as we get towards the end of it, um, it's, as you were explaining, just to kind of lead up to that, the wife finds out about it. She decides, okay, hey, I'm going to sleep with a, a couple of guys as well so that we kind of, I guess, to, to kind of get back at her husband. He doesn't like it. She ends up going to the black room again, gets knocked out with wine that's drugged. Larry mm-hmm. turns up there as well, and they both end up being kidnapped in there. And, you know, Bridget has a conversation with Robin where she tells 
she tells her that what he's really looking for is children. Because if he gets the blood of children, supposedly, I guess that can make him live for for even longer. And that's precisely what they're going to do. They phone up the nanny who's looking after the kids and say, I don't know, we don't hear that conversation, but I guess say, hey, come on over here, bring the kids over. And the nanny turns up and who is it, Tom? Oh, is that? I didn't even recognise her. Was that Linnea, was it? Is it Linnea or Linnea? Yeah, I think it is Linnea, and I think I've been saying it wrong for years. So um, thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah, that's Linnea Quigley. A young Linnea Quigley. Most of her part was just to lie there unconscious for a while. That's how you get into the business. <laughs> you start as a corpse and move up from there. And of course, we, you know, many of us, the horror buffs, will know Linnea for all sorts of things she's done over the years, Return of the Living Dead. You know, um, God, blimey. Now I'm struggling to think of things when I said that we know her for all sorts of things. Um, oh, she, she was in Christmas, not Christmas Evil. What's the other Evil Santa one? Christmas Penis. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's it. I was thinking of all sorts of things. Don't open, don't open the presents. <laughs> I was thinking of <laughs> things that don't even exist. Um, yeah. yeah. So we know her from that, and yeah, and not, I think she was in Night of the Demons as well. Night yeah. of the Demon. So yeah, you know, uh, a, a very sort of recognisable. Although you didn't recognise her, Tom. So true. <laughs> there is and you that. interviewed there her as that. well. So that's uh, it's a sad indictment. One of these days, you see, I've got a whole hard drive full of interviews here, and I interviewed the whole cast of Return of the Living Dead. Well, not all of them, but most of them. Uh, I should really splice that together into something, get it here on the Strange and Deadly show. Maybe one day, maybe one day. Oh, nobody cares, Tom. They don't, they don't <laughs> listen for me. <laughs> no, I'd like to hear that, actually. I remember the, the Linnea interview. It was good stuff. But, yeah, she turns up and, of course, is, is kidnapped, and they start draining blood from her. And this is the section of the movie that I would say I sort of quite liked because they kind of, this is, when people call this a slasher movie, I say, no, I don't see it that way. But what happens is Larry and Robin manage to get away. Like what Larry does is he, he chokes Jason with a chain and you yeah. think he's dead. And then Larry is, is kind of off trying to rescue, I can't remember what the nanny's name was, but we'll just say Linnea. Try yeah. to rescue Linnea because she's still alive, although she's she's very weak. And she sort of, sort of kind of hides in her wardrobe and she stabs Bridget in the neck with. And this is the first time we start to see a little bit of gore in this movie because we've really seen nothing yeah. of interest. And we do see kind of a cool gore effect. It's, it's not the easiest to see because, of course, we're looking at a movie that, as we're going to explain, has not had you know any kind of restoration or anything like that. So it's a little bit dark. That's the risk you take sometimes with these VHS transfers that you happen to, to source. But it's a pretty cool effect, and she drops down dead. Or so you think, but both of them get back up again. And is that a silly thing, do you think? Do you think that's when it becomes... I enjoyed it, but now it becomes cliche, doesn't it? The two people who you presumed were mortal seem to not be. It is a silly thing in my eyes, to mm. be honest. It, You know, maybe it's because I never really saw it as that film from the beginning. Yeah. I saw it more as this sort of um, sex thriller, if you like. And But you, you, it was the summation of this weird thing in the background. But even then, it's taken that background plot of them killing people or, or keeping them prisoner to take their blood. It's taken that to an extreme because... Jason, okay, you could say he's he gets strangled and he passes out. Um, 
and then he comes around. Okay, fair enough. But Bridget got a good old stab into the neck. She <laughs> yeah. was she was, she was over dead. the bathroom. There was blood everywhere. She was dead. So it it now starts to take it into this whole other territory that just makes your head spin. It completely lost me. The only part I enjoyed really about this ending is that the married couple, Jason and his wife, start to um, work together again. And you would hope that after this ordeal, they're like, oh, you know, what were we doing? Let's just, you know, put all that behind us and let's have a happy life together because look where it got us. I would hope yeah. that that is the outcome. But this business of them coming back to life and then this and that just takes it to a place that I, I didn't um, believe and didn't particularly want either. Right. I mean, that, that's what I would say that we, we differ on that point. That I do think it's really silly. And I enjoyed mm. the fact that it was silly because, you know, she gets up from the floor, having been stabbed through the neck with this like coat hanger that's been fashioned into, into a shiv, basically. Yeah. And first of all, she walks down those stairs so slowly that she never gets to meet anybody ever again because the movie ends before she's made it to the bottom step which I thought was quite funny. The Jason thing, you know, his face kind of covered in, in blood. I thought I thought they looked cool, you know, mm. I, and I, I understand that that goes against, that goes against the thrust of the movie, which is the, the marital problems between these two people. I thought that the look of them by the end was kind of cool, was, was quite effective and stylish in its own way. You know, Jason sort of got blood all over his face and his head. She's got the coat hanger stinging out of her neck and almost looks like a zombie. It, her look was almost like something out of an Asian horror film. You know, it had that, yeah. that sort of quality to it. Now, does that set it apart from the rest of the movie? Yes, because the implication seems to be that these people cannot die. <laughs> that's what it... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I took from it, you know, because yeah, yeah. there's a voiceover, wasn't there, at the end that was like, you know, maybe, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, yeah, maybe they'll just carry on living forever. I think it was Larry or someone who was, who was saying, maybe they'll just carry on living forever. There seems to be that implication that these people... While Larry and Robin and the kids and even Millie have all, Millie, that was the, the nanny's name, uh, have all gotten away, these people will carry on doing what they're going to do, even if it doesn't involve them anymore. So I, I sort of enjoyed that part of it. I think just the, the selling the erotic side of it, uh, is that's not done well. And I no. think that is, you know, you need to feel that it, that it really does mean something for this couple to to have understood to themselves and then to each other what their portrayal actually means. And they don't sell that. And then at the end of it, and I can see your point on this, they basically just say, yes, but this was actually a horror film from the beginning and these two people are still alive, goodbye. So I can understand, you know, from that side of it that it's not satisfactory. I suppose I just quite enjoyed how sort of silly and, and how it becomes a different movie at the end of it. I suppose if I watched it again without my expectations, um, maybe I would enjoy it a bit more on that level. But I ain't going to watch it again, Chris. I'm telling you that right now. Um, this is it. Yeah. But it it was it, it was kind of it was kind of fun the way they put the advert out again at the end, you know, <laughs> to say come and rent this this little black room, blah blah blah. So you just imagine that you know Larry and the missus and the kids get in the car and get off and then jason and bridget sort of get up all covered in blood and they're like should we uh should we put another ad in the paper then yeah <laughs> you know, and just sort of go and get cleaned up and uh you get the mop i'll just go and have a shower and uh, we'll we'll get another ad in the paper 
I quite like the idea of Bridget answering the door and someone saying, why is there a coat hanger for your neck? Oh, don't worry about it. It's just a household <laughs> yeah. accident. I was cleaning the wardrobe. Well, there you go, Tom. It's, it, it's not great, is it? No, I mean, I didn't hate it. Don't get me wrong. It was it, For all its flaws, for all my expectations, it, it was, I suppose it was kind of fun. It was a mishmash of a lot of things and it wasn't a particularly good one of any of them. But it, I don't yeah. think it was a complete failure either. It, it was all right. Yeah, that's the best you can say. We've seen much worse on this. And uh, we'll tell you about them as we get to them. But for now, Tom, mm. uh, my research seems to suggest that this movie has never had an official Blu-ray or DVD release, which further suggests that it was only ever given a home release on VHS. Uh, there's a website called Pandora's Videos at pandorasvideos.com. Uh, that sells region-free DVDs, uh, DVD copies of this film for nine ninety nine. That's in dollars. And uh, they say, yeah, as they say, they're region-free. This That's presumably a bootleg release. Right. But, hey, if you want to see the movie and you don't feel like looking for it legally on the internet uh, or going to Andrew Roberts's house <laughs> to <laughs> ask for a copy of it, that's another thing, isn't it, Tom? Because I found these movies quite difficult to, to source. And, uh, oh, bloody Andrew Roberts got them, eh? Hey? Do you reckon he's there, like, giving it the old loud one, watching these? I think he's got a little black room of his own, hasn't he? he filled has, with he? dodgy DVDs. He's like... E boy, or sorry, he's Welsh. Go on. <laughs> but it's 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 a funny situation. I think we've spoke about this before, where yeah. especially on this list, there are films that have never had a a decent release, and you know who owns them, who owns the rights. Does anyone really care about mm. them? They never made enough waves to actually have a, a group of people saying, "Bring this film out." But I'm sure there's someone in the world who really likes the Black Room and would love it on Blu-ray or DVD or something like that. But yeah. are they ever going to get it? Probably not. What you need to do is lend Andrew Roberts. He's going to need about £500,000, and then mm. he can set up his own DVD label or Blu-ray label or whatever you want. It's like the 88 films kind of deal. But he can call itself... He can, he can call itself... But he can call it, I don't know, Roberts Riches, you can call it. And he, okay. he, really, he has to put this on the computer and he has to do like what – there's a guy I really like who does like a bunch of kung fu movies, uh, martial arts movies he releases them called Hong Kong Rescue. And he goes through – he takes HD transfers and he goes through and he cleans them all up beautifully. That's why Andrew Roberts needs to do the black room and release it. Yeah, and sell about three copies. <laughs> about three. I'll way. buy one, Tom, just to support Andy, the poor bugger. But uh, okay. yeah, so that's the black room, Tom. Now I'm going to apologise to you again, not for all that stuff I said at the beginning. That was that was right. We needed to find out that information, but for the synopsis that I've written, because I wrote <laughs> I wrote it under a cloud, Tom. <laughs> I wrote it under a uh, under a mental cloud, and uh, I do apologise for that. Just know this synopsis is reflective of, of my thoughts, and not necessarily the reflective of of Tom's thoughts uh, on the second film here, Tom, the Toy Box. Why don't you tell us about that? I can't wait. I will uh, look forward to reading this. Our film is called The Toy Box, released in 1971, also known as The Orgy Box. Ooh. What? What's an orgy box? There's no such thing as an orgy box. I don't know. Maybe it's like, I know what it is. It's a big wooden box and there okay. are lots of holes in it. And there's a there's a person in there and you put your, your phallus through the hole and 
whatever happens in there. And it's kind of like an orgy because it's like, it's a box with all men, man. And you don't know who's in there. Could be a man, could be a woman, could be an animal. You don't know. That's an orgy box. Okay, I'm glad we've cleared that up. All right. It's directed by Ronald Victor Garcia. Didn't he direct Jeepers Creepers? It it stars Evan Steele, Anne Myers, and other naked people. I can tell you right now, I hope it's not, because the guy who directed Jeepers Creepers (laughs) did a lot of other stuff in his personal life as well. (laughs) Okay, Donna is infatuated with Ralph, a moustached hunk. I'm glad you pointed that out, Chris, because, you know, that's important on this show. for us. Yeah. Who bought who bought her a dildo courtesy of the toy box? Now she's heading over to a party held by Ralph's millionaire uncle where many dirty deeds will take place and lots of dirty deeds do indeed take place. Is that this that song by ACDC? Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap? Okay, and then at the end of the film. We find out that Donna is actually an alien, and this is Christopher speaking now, and it's rubbish. Don't bother. Here's the clip. Oh, why not? Maybe Ralph is hiding behind that car watching me, seeing if I have what it takes. Maybe this is part of my uh, initiation. It doesn't seem too bad. Ralph knows I'm a virgin. That son of a bitch. Squaws did it for their braves. Why not for Ralph? If this will put Ralph between my legs, why not? If he wants a show, I'll give it to him. Mm. It seems to turn on easy enough. I hope it does the same for me. Ooh, that's quite a vibration it gives off. Kathy said she really got it off with one of these. I guess it's better than someone raping you. Why not break yourself in? I can take it. They say small girls take large packages, and I know Ralph's package is really large. Yeah, so there you go. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So that's our clip of the toy box. So, Chris, I might have an inkling that you got a couple of feelings about this one, so uh, I'll, I'll hand over to you. Go for it. What do you think <laughs> of the toy of box? You actually did it. You you messaged me and told me you're going to put in the clip where she dildos herself, and you actually did it. <laughs> so full <laughs> props and respect you're, you're to you. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Look, buddy, I tried my best. You know, I'm, I come to this show. Listen, <laughs> I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a prolific podcaster anymore, guys. It's my fault. I'm letting the world down, right? I do understand that. I'm trying to be better. I've got two episodes of Lost in the Omniverse waiting to be finished. I'm trying and the to movies be... are Batman and Batman and Robin from fucking 1989 and shit. And I Sorry. reckon in about 10 years, we'll have gotten to Avengers Endgame and it'll be, we'll be caught up. It'll be fine. So listen, I acknowledge my extreme flaws and, and, and problems. So when I do sit down and record a podcast with Tom, it's usually with Tom, the, uh, you know, I've got the long gestating martial arts uh, or Asian movie podcast. Yeah, we're never going to see that. I mean, that's not happening. Let's be honest. <laughs> not at my current rate. Okay. But maybe for Christmas, you might get the 10 second clip of one of the Lost in the Omniverse episodes. I'm prepared to give you that. The reason I'm, I'm saying all this is because when I do one of these recordings, I try to bring my all to it and I try to be as open minded and as, as inclusive of an idea as I can. 
when it comes to judging these movies. Mm. But Tom, I, I struggled mightily with the toy box to understand it, to get into it, to sink my proverbial meat and two veg into its pulsating and ready <laughs> vagina. You don't put the veg in. Just oh. anyway, sorry, that's a whole other Is that thing. why Go I've been on. single for so long? <laughs> so I didn't know that. I thought the whole lot went in and you just hold it there for a bit and then wait for them to leave you. <laughs> right. But now I know. Now I know, so I'm learning from the very best. Uh, Tom, this is difficult. <laughs> this is a difficult project. And I, my feeling is that you might feel differently about it. And that is... That's making me very curious. That's why I feel a bit guilty for the synopsis I wrote, because it was supposed to be a bit of comedy. Oh, look, there's Chris Clayton again with one of his jolly japes. Let's all mm. laugh at that for the 50th time because it's so funny and fresh. But actually, I feel bad about that because you may ha have had more to, to say about it. You know, as for me, <laughs> you know, Tom, this is this is piss. I don't I, I want to be intelligent about it. But it's just like it's it's like if you it's like if you've been working solidly for let's say three weeks, you've not had a day off in three weeks, mm. and you go to the pub. Now I'm not really a pub sort of guy, but you know, now and again I, I will venture by. Um you go to the pub and you oh lovely, there's a nice cold glass of beer there. I'm gonna drink that. And you start to drink it and you get about halfway through before you realise that your joy that you were experiencing, you just wanted a bit of relief from the working week. You're actually drinking a pint of warm piss. That right. is for me is what this was. I wanted it to be a nice cold beer, but it was just a, like a flagon of pee pee. And that's mm. where I'm at at the moment. Tom, you come in and then we'll try and see if we can build up to to where we're going i can't imagine how you would think i would think that much differently of it i mean well, what have we got here it's like this couple there's the dildo in the car scene that mm. happens okay so yes it's there but then they act out this weird sort of fantasy and it's it's this weird domination thing where the guy mustached Ralph is sort of dominating her and she's doing all this, that and the other. She's completely naked. And then at the end she looks in the mirror and she goes, my face, my face. And then they go, right. Okay. Do you reckon that's good enough? Is that okay? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. Uncle's going to love that. So the thing is they are going to the house of this guy they called uncle when you said it was Ralph's millionaire uncle, yeah. do they say that? I'm not. I'm not sure. Well, that's what IMDb says. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was just a guy who calls himself uncle. You know, like the Doctor Who calls himself the Doctor. <laughs> but bad, um, bad, you know, bad similarity oh, Tom, there. But... We're gonna have the bloody the Doctor Who fans gonna be all over us. How dare you compare this to Doctor Who? <laughs> <laughs> Can't do that. There's a lot of similarities, but. So they go to this house and it's just filled with people naked and dancing. And the setup is uncle, because you just think he's some old perv, don't you? Yeah. And he sits there watching them. It turns out he's dead or he looks yeah. dead at least. And all these people will go and act out these little scenarios they've created. And it's just 
bizarre. I mean, this is what the other guys should have been doing in the black room, you yeah. know what I mean? If they combine these two films together, now now you would have a movie. Um, so you get one of these strange little dodgy sex games. Then there's a bit of plot where our two leads, Donna and Ralph, are sort of uncovering, well, what's going on with Uncle? Why does he look dead? And But he still speaks to us. And they're sort of trying to unravel the mystery. But then we'll get another little sex scene. And it's... <laughs> and I, I don't really know what to say about it. Do, <laughs> is it a good film? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And by the end of it, you know, I've never been so sick of seeing naked people in my life. It's just, come on, just get it over with. This was it. I mean, you know, Tom, it's funny you say that because, like, I'm just going to... I'm going to break reality for everybody like i sat next to my dad watching this movie um, he wasn't watching, yeah he wasn't watching it as well i was watching it on okay. my phone because um you know like i was i was streaming it off my phone and i was i was sitting in the ch- armchair next to him and mm. I, and i don't would normally not do that with something that's erotic or meant to be sexy but you know my little timmy tadger did not Make did not create much noise, Tom. There wasn't much of a direction being that it was being pushed into. Uh, but yeah, it, it's. I mean, you actually did quite a good job of explaining the basic plot. There's not a lot of plot to be found, really. It's a, no. it, the plot is a conduit for the quote unquote sex scenes. Now, one thing I'll give Ronald Victor Garcia credit for is this is an erotic movie. I mean, it definitely mm. is that. It the you know, quote unquote horror elements of it are, are really ancillary, ancillary to the whole thing. But right. it it's an erotic movie, and it I would say that it it's it. I suppose you could you could classify it as softcore. Certainly, it's it's crossing. It's on the borderline. There, it's not a hardcore yeah. porn movie, but it is on the borderline. I mean, you do get to see. Listen, you get to see the old hairy pussies. You get to see the old, you know, the old John Thomas. A couple of bum holes in there. You see a few bum holes. <laughs> you see all, all, <laughs> sorts of, all sorts of stuff on there, Tom. What I find quite quite interesting, actually, is that, that in some of the scenes, I was like, are they really having sex? But then you can actually see, like, a couple of the fellas there, John Thomas were not... You know, they weren't parking <laughs> parking the car in the garage, Tom. They were about it three just, foot away. It was just, yeah. So it's like, obviously, that that is not what's happening here. Because I've got an interesting sort of thing that happened when I was looking for this movie that I'll tell you about. So I did wonder if maybe they did, I guess what they do with, with a few porn films in the industry, where they'll do like a softcore angle and then they'll do the hardcore angle. So that yeah, you get yeah. kind of a softcore version of it. Um my problem with this is that not only do I not think it's very good, I mean, I should stress that I do like a lot of bad movies. I feel yeah. like sometimes I almost kind of question myself and go, are you coming across as if you you just want everything to be great? No, but I, I do want things to be sort of interesting in its badness. And the problem I have with this is when you have a movie like this where there are quite a few, you know, sex scenes and writhing about and cavorting and all the rest of it, yeah, because you don't see anything, you know, going in and out or whatever, there's nothing that's really interesting there because they're cutting away from everything. And I'm not saying that I wanted it to be a hardcore porn movie because it's not 
There's one scene that I thought was actually done kind of well in a stylish sort of way. I think you you had spoken to me about it privately. We we share a lot of sexy messages between each other. We're like, oh, did you like that bit in that movie? Yeah, that got me right turned on, Tom. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, I know. I was thinking about it just before I went on stage at the Rod Serling thing. Uh, no, you didn't do that. <laughs> You're mad at me, Tom. You're mad at me. Don't be mad at me. Careful. I can't help it. Uh, <laughs> so I'll be run out of this town long before you will. Don't worry. Um, but there was a big breasted woman who was on a bed and being sort of fondled by someone from underneath the sheets. Yeah. And, and that was sort of erotic. It's just that they had this voiceover of yeah. presumably the sheets talking to her saying, you know, you like that, huh? <laughs> you know, it's, and it just sort of, any sort of eroticism was cut dead out of it. But I think I know what you're getting at because there's there's sort of nothing worse than watching an erotic, erotic movie, you know, one that's supposed to be turning you on but just isn't. And you're just sitting there partially puzzled and partially revulsed and, you know, all these things apart from, you know, just not the thing you're supposed to be. So it, it really does become a mind-numbing experience. And all I can really think of with this one is that, you know, it's from 1971, you think 42nd Street, you know, some little flea pit, uh, yeah. Grindhouse Cinema. And all I can think of is the way it's set up, it's like scene, plot, scene, plot. And it's like, is it constructed that these men would go to these cinemas, <laughs> watch the first scene, knock one out. <laughs> there's a bit of plot for you to have a rest. Then there's the next scene, knock another one out. And by the end of the movie, you've you've knocked about six of them. You know, you've done it about six times. So hopefully that will be enough for you for the night and you can go home and sleep it off. But I'm wondering whether that's the, that's the whole point of it. You know what I mean? To be like, right, here's a scene have a little break, here's another scene, that's all I can think of. Yeah, it, it does seem set up to be like, here's the titillation that you came for, and there's a bit about murder, don't worry about that, here's another bit where there's titillation. I mean, it's, it's interesting that you said, when you're talking about the woman being caressed in, in bed with the person underneath the sheets and the, the guy speaking, there's a lot of inner monologuing in this movie. Yeah. Like Donna does it all the time, where she's like, ah, going to go to the party. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Oh, and then when she's doing the dildo scene, I mean, you heard a little bit of it, bit of it there. She's like, we get like her inner thoughts throughout the whole process. Like, oh gosh, this is so good that I'm going to, if he could, if uh, Ralph comes in here, is that his name? Ralph? Yep. If Ralph yeah. comes in here, I'm going to take him in my mouth. And then at the end of it, she's like, oh, actually, do you know what? I did that all by myself. Fuck you, Ralph. You're not getting anywhere near me. I, With my dildo, I was able to get the orgasm I wanted. And, and and then the same thing happens in that sort of next scene where she's with Ralph and then they do that fantasy, like you said. Like, you don't see anybody's lips moving. And that happens quite a bit in this movie as well. People's lips are not moving, but they're saying things or they're thinking things. And you get to yeah. hear their thoughts. Like, there's some guy who's like, do you remember in that van and it's all sleaves? And he's like, oh, you suck my dick. And, all that. and he's not saying anything, but it's all, it's like a narration over the top of it. It's weird. And there's really the scene weird. where the the guy has two bodies hung up, the the bodies of two naked <laughs> women, the and he sort of gets one down and slaps it on the slab, and then gets on and he's like, "So uh, move over, I need to get my meat tenderizer in you and stuff like that." And it's just 
painful, but you're right. <laughs> He's not actually saying it. So uh, is this an American movie? I don't know. I mean, Ronald Victor Garcia. I don't know. I mean, at first I thought that the guy who played Ralph, until he started, when he got to the house, to the, to the mansion, I thought that he was completely dubbed over because right. I don't know if you noticed this. I'm sure you were paying attention very closely, Tom. Every time Ralph would speak, they would cut away from his face. And I was like, what's going on there? Do they have like a maybe a foreign actor or something? And so they're just dubbing him over. But then when he gets to the house, he is speaking English and he actually is talking. So it's like, why do that? You know, it's it's funny about the butcher. The accent that you did there, I think they were going for a British accent because at one point he goes, blimey. He's like, <laughs> blimey, oh, I'm a British. I'm a British butcher. It's like, you know, that sort of accent where you're like, oh, you've all you know is that there's some Cockneys in England and then some posh people. <laughs> You've just picked yeah. one of those accents. What a bizarre movie. And unfortunately for me, not very sexy. And that's, you know, I, I look, I'm not going to pretend that I haven't looked at a lot of hardcore porn over the years. Of course I have. Uh, Tom, would you like to admit to that as well? Or no, you're not? I'm aware that it exists. Right, right, right. No, me as well, me as well. As well, I'm aware that it exists. I've read about it in books, books with very sticky pages. I mean, <laughs> but um, I, I have misgivings about porn as an as a near. Th Am I 37 now? I can't remember. I think I'm 36. As a 36 going on 37 year old, I have misgivings about it in a lot of different ways in terms of the ethics of it and morals and all the rest of it. But I'm not going to pretend like I am above it because I'm I'm not above it. The thing about sort of hardcore porn that you might find on these streaming sites and places like that, I don't know if you've heard of them, Tom, <laughs> is that there is, there's always an element of sleaziness to it because you, at the end of the day, you are watching somebody who is being paid to fulfil a role. Mm. And I remember listening to an interview years ago with this guy who was a porn, like a male porn star and he was saying that pornography is not about how it feels, it's about how it looks. Right. And so, but there is something that's sort of clinical about the way that hardcore porn is done and filmed and, and the process of that, that to me is, I don't want to use the word appealing, but it makes sense to me more than something like this, which does to me feel really grubby, you yeah. know, like it feels really grubby. Like it feels like it's almost out of control. Like I can imagine, I don't know what the director is, is like. Funnily enough, I, I might as well bring this in here. This guy's gone on to direct quite a lot of TV stuff. He was the DP on Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Holy shit. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, you know, he's and he's gone on to direct all sorts of sort of episodes of TV and writing different things. So, yeah, maybe this is just wow. an early phase of it. But I could, for some reason, I can imagine the director being like, yeah, yeah, go on, get it on, get it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can imagine it being really grubby and, and seedy. And, I, I don't gel with that. I've never really been like a vintage porn sort of guy because I do find it a bit, you know, this was an age in pornography where, for example, they weren't doing AIDS tests and things like that. You know, it's a much more sort of regulated thing, if you want to call it that now. Um, I find it a bit uncomfortable. You know, I find this quite seedy and, and <laughs> I don't know. How do you feel about that? You know, I, I have no problem with people enjoying erotic material. I have no problem with the fact that porn exists and so on you know whatever gets you through the day i'm, I'm mm. completely cool with all of that um and i do like a bit of sleaze 
it's hard to explain that to people because you say, oh yeah, I like a bit of sleaze and people probably just think you're a massive perv, but that's not really what it's about. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more the overall grimy aesthetic of something. And remember we, we spoke about like a, a women in the jungle prison film. I can't remember what it was called and it, it was quite sleazy and it was a bit sort of sexy and, you know, grubby. Mm. And that seemed to be my level. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I wasn't sitting there whacking one out to it, but uh, I like that kind of um, sleazy aesthetic. Whereas this is just like picking up a $5 hooker in, in an alleyway and just, you know, that sort of level of grottiness. And, it, you know, probably a bit beyond what I enjoy in terms of movie sleaze and i don't think i've really explained that well i've probably just <laughs> outed myself as a massive perv no but do you, do you see what i'm saying yes not not no yes <laughs> Go on, sorry, sorry. <laughs> i like a bit of a kind of sleazy grimy vibe to these movies but this is just taking it to like a a bit of a a level that i, I really just don't want to go to yeah, I, you know, when I was a kid, I used to like like erotic movies on Bravo and channels like that that I used to show on Sky. And those were sort of, you know, often they'd have like Shannon Tweed in them and, and actually mm. like they went on to marry Gene Simmons. An unfortunate decision, but there we go. This is These are the things that happen when you have a lot of money. Um, and those almost, they felt classy in a weird way, you know, and they weren't even as, they didn't push it, you know, as far as what this movie does. But they did feel classy and they sort of fulfilled their purpose as a, you know, a very young man who was, who didn't have access to pornography or anything like that. You know, the comedian Stuart Lee made a, a great point. And I am paraphrasing him probably quite badly, really, when I say this, but he was as part of a routine. He said, you know, like you know, millions and millions of millennials have, have now confused internet pornography for real sex. And there is yeah. that, there is certainly that feeling that societally we do think that porn is is what is reflected within the concepts of relationship. And I've, I've heard like interviews like Howard Stern and, and shows like that where porn stars have said, well, no, I'm not actually like that in my real life at all. That's not to say I don't have a nice or an enjoyable sex life, but it's just you do go to those extremes and it's a very mm. clinical thing when you're doing a porn movie. So this kind of thing, I guess this, this sort of grubby kind of vintage style porn, it just... You know, and I don't mean this in a weird way. Rubs me up the wrong way. <laughs> I just, I just find it a little bit blur. And then when you, you compound that by the fact that it's actually, it's not a very interesting movie. It mm. really is the plot that is there is only there really to kind of string you along to get to the end of it. And the the end of the movie basically is that Donna is not actually a real person. Donna is. I don't know, like this sort of alien priestess. Well, she is uncle, isn't she? She's the she's real uncle. uncle. Yeah. yeah. So, and like a sort of alien priestess, and she's got like a partner that we've we've not seen, and they've been sort of harvesting people and, and taking them and using them to to do something that I can't remember what it was, but... It's like, and that's the the big reveal. Basically, is that Uncle's not actually a real person. Donna has actually been behind it all this time, and poor old Ralph is now going to be stuck as her pet. So essentially, he's going to keep, she's going to keep him alive at the mm. same age he's at, but he will lose his memory, and they'll just go into a new scenario where he, 
she'll put him in different scenarios for the rest of his life and it's kind of a, you know eternal torment and that basically they stuck him in a dark room with some with a smoke machine and some lights and said can you just pretend that there's an alien in here with you a very strange ending to the movie and i suppose in its own weird way the most interesting part of it it's similar to the black room in that it just seems to come out of nowhere you know mm. you think you're watching one thing about these sorts of free living um free love kind of people just like having these debauched weekends at this house next minute one of them's an alien and they're harvesting whatever it is they were harvesting off all the others. <laughs> and you're right, it, it is... I mean, the point of the movie is to have these scenes, isn't it? The sex scenes, I think, for, you know, your grubby guys sitting at 42nd Street Theatre. Um, and then at the end, it's like, by the way, I'm an alien. The end. <laughs> so it's just like, okay, you know, and I've just wasted however... I mean, I I just kept looking at the timer to see how long I had left, and yeah. then there'd be another scene, Me too. another sex scene, and you'd just be like, oh, my God, you know. This was a tough one. I mean, there's been – it sounds bad to say there's been worse, but there has been worse on the list, yeah. I think. But yeah. this is pretty down there. This is pretty down there. It's funny because, you know, I do think it is a pint of warm piss, but <laughs> – We've had, but the, when I sit and think about it, we have had worse than this. Like, you know, that movie Wrong Way, yeah, uh, yeah. that was also super sleazy. And that movie, at least in this movie, it, it seems like we, the women are actually enjoying the sex, whereas Wrong Way seems to solely exist to show how easy it is to, or supposedly easy on the, um, in the context of the movie, it is to exploit women and to rape them and to do horrible things. And it just is... Yeah, to me that movie is is virtually irredeemable. This, on the yeah. other hand, it's just so boring. You know, like it's it's, and maybe it seems weird to people who've not seen this to think, well, how can a movie with loads of naked people and you, know, you and Tom, Tom and I have admitted that we're both heterosexual men and we both do enjoy the female form. Mm. Um, how can we not enjoy that? And you know, if you enjoy the male form, you know, there's you can see a few. You know, a few John Thomases there lying flat on their bellies, not going into the areas they're supposedly <laughs> going into. Uh, so, you know, there's it's an equal opportunities movie, certainly. How can you not find that titillating? Well, it's not, really. They're sort of long scenes where nothing is really happening. It's quite boring erotica. And then an alien turns up and then it's over. And, you know, it, oh, yeah, this was a difficult one for me. And there was a few times where I really thought... Oh God, maybe I should just skip ahead and pretend that I watched it. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. You know, I have to persevere. While the black room is has sort of interesting concepts and things to it, with that's maybe not executed that brilliantly. I don't know that anything's particularly well executed here, unless you just really want to see naked people, and you can do that on the internet quite easily. So it, it's yeah, it did it, not. It's not for me, Tom, I have to say, The Toy Box. It's a more exciting, I say it's a more exciting title. Every time you type this into Google, you're probably not going to find the movie. What you're going to find is information about The Toy Box Killer. Right. Who's a very famous serial killer in America who did absolutely horrendous things. Um, but you actually found a, a hard a harder version of this, didn't you? Right. Now, yes, thank you for reminding me. I would have forgotten about that. And I've been holding on to that information for like... A, months yeah <laughs> when i was uh you're the only person i could tell these things to tom there's nobody else 
that I could talk to. They stopped listening when I called them saps at the beginning because I thought nobody could hear me. So it's just you <laughs> and me now talking about this. Yeah, it, it's so it's interesting. I was trying to find the movies, both of them, and you know, luckily our, our good friend Andrew Roberts uh, stepped. In. He's got all these sitting on his hard drive. Said of the FBI over there, God knows what they'll find. Yeah. But um, I was trying to find the toy box in particular, and it was like, okay, I've typed that in, and it came up on one of those porn streaming sites. Okay. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. I didn't. It can't be a hardcore porn movie because why would it be on the section three list? Surely it would be on another list that's like you know for sort of X certificate films. Um, so put that on it, and right at the beginning, it comes up with like I think it's Spanish credits on a red screen. And like this real funky disco music, not like the opening sequence of this movie where it's, it's, you know, there's like this dart and this track, this toy train track and everything. And it's, it's meant to sound quite sinister. And it, it starts with the scene of Donna in the car. Okay. And then it folds in random bits of Spanish hardcore porn. I sort of skipped through after I'd seen the, this version of the movie, the toy box, I, I went through and kind of skipped through the other one to see what the differences were. And it seems like what happened now, I can't find any information about this. So I don't know if this was like a bootleg thing that happened or whether this Spanish like porn distributors or something took it and then made something else out of it. What they do is they kind of cut the horror elements out of it and they took bits from this movie and then they splice in hardcore porn that, is filmed in locations that look vaguely similar but aren't quite the same. So that's what it is. So it, it's not like there was a hardcore porn version of this shot. They just take bits of this and then incorporate similar-looking hard, actual hardcore <laughs> porn into it. So they take all the storyline out and just put more shagging in. So it's just like actual shagging, like proper, like you seeing you seeing penises going into mouths, into all sorts of places. Tom, like it's it's proper, but it doesn't involve any of the actors in this movie. So it's. So those scenes are actually the the tamer scenes where you have a bit of a rest. Wow. Okay. I guess so, yeah. And they do take elements from the movie. But so like, for example, when the big breasted woman in, in the toy box gets into that bed, ready to fondle with the sheets, they suddenly cut to like this couple having sex in a bed that doesn't really look like it, but it is in like a dark room. But they're mm. two completely different people who are unrelated to those actors. So it, I don't know... What it is, but in the credits, it's got the names of the actors. It's got the director, uh, Ronald Victor Garcia. But it's a different movie that just happens to have bits from this in it. So really strange find. Really strange find. And I remember when I was looking at that, I was like, well, first of all, it's in Spanish. So Tom and I can't watch it because we won't understand anything that's going on. And second of all, this is like really hardcore. How can this be on the Section 3 list? Well, it turns out that it's like a weird kind of rare cut of the movie that I... I think even the director probably didn't have anything to do with. Very strange. Very strange. Very strange. But I will say, if you want to see actual hardcore porn, it doesn't involve any of the actors from this movie, but it's there if you want it. I'm not <laughs> going to tell you where to find it, but hey, you, you know, crack on and see how you get on. But yeah, Tom, so that was my, that's the only interesting thing that's happened since we talked about this movie. <laughs> that was that. Okay. Now, I noticed that the release information section in our notes here is blank. Uh, do I take that to mean it's never been released or or what? Or did you just lose the world to live before you were writing the notes? 
I just couldn't be bothered to fill it in. Uh, <laughs> there's a DVD available of it wow. that on Amazon dot uh, com, not dot, so the one in the states, not dot co UK. That is like forty dollars, and I've not looked into it that much. But from what I could tell, it certainly. For, weirdly enough, it's got a listing on Blu-ray dot com, but <laughs> it's it's just like the poster, and then. Like, there's no release information or anything like that on it. But can you imagine somebody, like, took the time to restore this? In Here's a 2K restoration scan of the toy box. People, some people will probably like it. They probably find this sort of thing a real curio if they're a collector of vintage erotica and they would enjoy it. And, you know, it certainly is vintage and it certainly is erotic, but just not in ways that are, are sort of particularly interesting. I mean, I can't, I have to be honest with you, Tom, neither of these movies raise, you know, much of a much of a boner at all for me i suppose on an academic level if you look at it it's funny to think that as a as a species as a race as a as humankind at one time we made films like this and this was considered i suppose erotic and entertaining mm. and you know because you would never see this made now would you i mean no. there's all kinds of stuff made now but it, it is, a, I suppose, a bit of a curio in that sense. It, I'm really pulling to try and find something positive to say about it. But in, in terms of movie history and like grindhouse history, uh, on those terms, it's sort of interesting. Not interesting enough that I would ever waste my life watching it again. No. But there is that. I mean, you put that very astutely and, and very intelligently. Um, I don't want to look at it in an academic way. What I want <laughs> is to get my cock rock hard and I want to give it a good old wackle. And in that regard, uh, these didn't deliver, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, you, you know, I'm sure this pleased somebody. I'm sure, I hope the actors got paid well. Uh, the guy who played Ralph, I think, has been in quite a few quite a few little bits and pieces like independent projects and things like that. The lady who played Donna and Myers, Myers, uh, she was in, from what I can tell, just a lot of other erotic stuff. Right. So, you know, it's that. The the main thing that you, to take away from it is, wow, you know, Ronald Victor Garcia went on to do, you know, better than this. <laughs> you know, he yeah. got it. Like I say, if he's the DP on, on uh, Fire Walk With Me, you know, you've got to be... You've got to be talented to be on a David Lynch set, you know? So he yeah. was there. Imagine if David Lynch directed this movie. Like, it would be, I'd be into that. Oh, he probably loved this, didn't he, old Lynchy? He probably did. That's probably what he hired the guy on. He was like, <laughs> he was like, listen, guys, you know, I uh, have you heard my clown music video? Have you ever seen that music video for clown? Yeah, you sent me a link to it once. It's uh, it's interesting stuff. Have you ever seen my music video? Does he sound like that? <laughs> I think he does, doesn't he? Come and watch the Twin Peaks with me, David Lunch. All right. Well, look, it's been it's been fun, Tom. I've, been, I've enjoyed talking to you, if not the movies themselves, that much. Yeah. But yeah, the Toy Box not not a good movie. All right, Tom. Well, I think we've discussed these movies as long as we possibly can. Uh, not unlike a long phallus long one uh anyway i believe we've now got some feedback from the great welsh pervert himself andrew roberts
Mr. Chris and Mr. Tom, great to have you on hand once again, chaps. This time dishing us up some sizzling sensual sex horrors. Well, at least one anyway. So let's begin then with The Black Room. This is quite a strange creature from 1982 that does the very postmodern woke thing of reimagining a classic monster in a contemporaneous context. And I say strange as this was out even before some of the biggest vampire flicks of the 80s, like Fright Night and The Lost Boys. What we have here instead is a creepily blurred lines brother and sister pairing, Jason and Bridget, opening up a private knocking shop slash room for illicit married folk to bring their tasty bits on their side, with candlelit ambiance and bubbly thrown in. Obviously though, there's a catch, and it turns out that Jason has a blood disorder, serious enough that he needs major transfusions fairly regularly, and they solve this by simply using their licentious client base. In his capacity as a twist on the vampire mythos, Jason seduces and drains his victim's blood, but in an almost indirect fashion, and he uses a bizarre suction machine with a dual-pronged motorised needle to pierce their necks, which then slowly drains their blood and integrates it into Jason himself. Nevertheless, despite this artificial nature, the act is no less sexual than most vampire flicks, with the victims especially reacting with more amorous rather than pained expressions. It's also notable for being one of the earlier low-budget films to utilise Steadicam, so you get some nice gliding shots in this one, and there's a few glimpses of some future stars here as well, like Scream Queen Linnea Quigley and actor Christopher McDonald, who later cropped up in Flubber, The Faculty, etc. The performances are all good all round, really, though Jason and Bridget are played a little bit camp as the evil pseudo-incestuous duo. Larry and Robin's marital issues and their cock-blocking chavies are quite a decent bit of drama to pad out the film's bloodier moments, though Larry doesn't score any points for his massive hypocrisy about infidelity. Definitely worth seeking this one out, as it's a fairly good watch. The only problem is that this one isn't available anywhere, which is such a shame. The couple of grisly bloodshed sequences will probably have been enough for the DPP to pop this onto Section 3, but it's likely the sexual element too, as they always had alarm bells ringing for sex and violence mixed together. On to our next one, which is The Toy Box from 1971. Bizarrely, Ron Victor Garcia directs this, who's more famous for his work on the Twin Peaks film and the first pilot episode. He also worked on the TV movie slasher Deadly Lessons and fellow Section 3 nasty Abducted, or Schoolgirls in Chains. This one is even weirder than The Black Room, which is comparatively easier to understand. This is a darkly trippy sexploitation flick involving a bunch of wannabes participating in basically a competitive sex party of some kind, all for the dubious arousal of Uncle, a particularly corpse-like relative who has more than his fair share of secrets. It's ultra hard to pin this one down, but oddly for a softcore porn flick, the varied frequent sex scenes are just too niche and bizarrely non-sexual that you end up just feeling a little confused. But that said, there are a few orgy sequences that kind of skirt the boundary of R18 level. Back to the weird fantasies though, someone actually finds women hung on butcher's hooks, coming to life again to chop him up with cleavers, sexually arousing. And that's just one of the many what-the-hell-am-I-watching moments of the whole thing. It's truly surreal to experience. And not only that, but the ending throws something even more outrageous into the mix, as if it needed something extra to fog up the clarity. Aliens. I mean, really? It's dubbed amateurishly, it's haphazard, it's not particularly erotic. But by heck, if it is it one of the weirdest films ever? Sort of like a bad acid drug cocktail from the 60s. And for that, it's probably worth seeing at least once. 
The DPP likely picked this one up for the mishmash of severed heads and pitchfork stabbings with cleavage and kinkyish sex. Even more bizarrely, the film is officially available in very rare European DVDs, but it's more likely that you won't be able to find this as they're both rare and out of print. <laughs> ho, 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 ho. Thank you very much, Andrew, for all the stuff that you just said. And um, you're talking about, oh, you won't be able to find the Black Room anywhere. They'll find it on your bloody hard drive, mate. God knows what you've got on there. Probably got like <laughs> pictures of a dog licking someone's arsehole or something you've got on there. Knowing you, Andrew, you filthy boy. Uh, but thank you very much for your, for your... I don't think Andrew's got anything like that. I just need to make that very clear before I get sued. Uh, thanks, Andrew. I appreciate you. Well, one one person contributed to the uh, the episode. So we're, go, we're going down... And now he never will again. Now he never will again. So that's it, Tom. For the We've lost everybody. Nobody cares anymore about this show. Uh, but I'm glad that you did, Andrew. And uh, Godspeed. Godspeed. And, uh, I'll come and show up for you as a witness at your trial. Don't worry. Be I'll be there for you, buddy. But uh, yeah, so there you go. Andrew liked the back room. Yeah, I mean, he, he mentioned the, the vampire angle, which we never really talked about. I mean, we sort of hit the beats but we never said the word vampire yeah i think i did but i don't know i did yeah okay well i mean it is threaded throughout it isn't it the, the whole blood thing and he's draining people's blood blah 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 so i don't suppose it's that out of the blue that they turn out to be actually vampires but i don't know it, it still didn't quite work for me but thank you andrew well the interesting the really interesting part about that feedback was that he said that Ronald Victor Garcia, the director of The Toy Box, directed Schoolgirls in Chains. And right. that was a movie that I I think we sort of quite liked, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the good ones that I yeah. do remember. And I think that came after this. So, you know, he he, he went up in the world, uh, unlike many of the penises in that movie, which stayed, <laughs> stayed down, did they, Tom? Stayed way down. But uh, thank you very much, Andrew. And uh, middle finger up at the rest of you for not bloody writing in anymore. Hey. The boys are back in town and all that, and uh, can't be bothered, can you? Can't get your tippy-tappy fingers on the keyboard, you vile scum. But if you want to send your feedback in, then please, yeah, please, please do. do. Please do. We'd love it. We'd love to, to hear uh, from you. feedback at strangeanddeadly.com. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, Tom and I are, well, we can tell you about the next episode in just a minute, but uh, Tom and I are not really on social media that much anymore you are a bit because you're sort of promoting the twilight zone stuff and all that but um i am on instagram i don't tweet on twitter anymore <laughs> i don't tweet on twitter anymore uh because i can't be bothered with it people getting mad about joker you stupid pranit i'm not talking to anyone specifically i'm just i'm just making conversation uh i'm really fed up with social media but i do have an instagram just to post pictures of like you know blu-rays and things that i might pick up and that's instagram.com forward slash the chris clayton where are you tom yeah i've bailed on um twitter mainly i, I use my twilight zone uh, twitter feed just to post links and so on but uh other than that i'm not really anywhere so although we do have a flick chat group it hasn't really taken off yet because we never go on it but <laughs> but you know you know, here's the thing. The the Strange and Deadly show, I think we will always do. Sometimes it might take us six months. <laughs> Sometimes it might take us a year. But other times it'll, it'll probably be quite regular. And I think we'll, we'll talk about this in the future. But when the list is done, 
um, you know, we, we've got some ideas and stuff. So I, I do hope we stay in touch with the people we want to stay in touch with, <laughs> not so much the fucking, you know, angry crowds of Twitter. They can all fuck off. Yeah. But, um, you know, the the Flick Chat group, I've had some success with it on the Twilight Zone because obviously that that's a bit more of a regular thing and we've got a nice group going in there. So it's an app called Flick Chat. You can download it to your phone and it's like a mini forum so all that noise of people fucking whinging on twitter isn't there and it's just you come on it and you talk about the show you talk about the films and it, it works quite well i find because you don't have all that other noise how yeah. you find us on there i'll put a link in the show notes of this and you just hit it on your smartphone and you get to the group so give it a try you know hopefully we can build that up a bit it would be nice i mean i think one obstacle with flick chat is that it's only available on phones yeah and not on like desktops uh, i don't know if it's available on tablets i don't have a tablet at the moment but uh and maybe that you know someone might be on their computer checking emails or whatever and they want to get into it they have to do it on their phone some people don't like to do that that's why i don't go in there that often but um mm. i do certainly do want to pick up on that you know it's similar with instagram one of the reasons why i started up in instagram again is because i can just post a picture and and yeah. then go away. I don't have to get into a dialogue or see people being mad about things, you know. So it's it's helpful in in that regard. And uh, flick chat. I don't know if you know this, Tom, but it was actually create the name of it comes from flicking the bean, which is a um, what you do when you're rubbing your clitoris. So it's quite apt. For it's quite apt, isn't it? Tonight's right. episode, yeah. It is, yeah. That's the last sexual reference I'm going to make now. We've done the erotic episode. Let's return to the safety of, of the milk toast style that we always have. And uh, let's talk about the next episode, Tom. What's it going to be? It's two films that, again, I can't remember why I put them together. I think it was a supernatural killers theme. I might find that when we actually get to them, that's completely wrong. But you know the, you know the deal by now. And they are called The Killing Hour and Mausoleum. Now, if you want to get your thoughts in, we only take audio clips from Andrew Roberts now. So. <laughs> and he's so fucked right it. off after yeah. <laughs> I called him a pervert with a, with a horrible picture on his computer. So, well... <laughs> But no, if you want to get your thoughts in, then send us, a, send us a clip, you know, four or five minutes is fine for one or both of those films, and we'll play it on the show if, uh, if there's anyone left out there after this episode. <laughs> but it's The Killing Hour and Mausoleum. Yeah, and then when we're done with this list, on our next phase of The Strange and Deadly Show, uh, we're just going to accept letters from a carrier pigeon. So that might mm. that'd be better, wouldn't it? Yes, it will be. It, it will, will be. be. So. It will be right. uh, Tom's tired of the show now. I can tell. I am as well. I'm going to polish off the rest of this wine. Oh, yeah. Polish something. <laughs> That's a polish the old knob. Oh, I've lost it. Oh, <laughs> very nice wine. Though. I've just had a little sniff from that myself. Thank you once again, Tony, for the, uh, for the wine from the Finger Lake, the lake of fingering itself. And, uh, well, I've been Chris Clayton. <laughs> and I'm a Tully. Oh, fucking hell. He's a Tully. From, Tom from Elliott. Game of oh, Thrones. These films have broke me tonight. These, One of the these have broke me. Okay. Game of Thrones, that had a shit ending as well, just like the toy box. Thank you very much for listening, <laughs> and we'll see you on the next episode of The Strange and Deadly Show. Goodbye for now. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Strange and Deadly Show. Music by Danny Davis. 
Artwork by Dark Ink One and presented by Chris Clayton and Tom Elliott. To listen to the back catalogue or to check out other shows on the network, please visit strangeanddeadly.com. Sorry, I, I was just waiting to hit the music. Sorry, do it again and, and just call my Welsh pervert again.